This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. Tonight we are talking with a woman who is one of the many walking wounded. Also, how about those outrageous women, not raging hormones? Julie McClure, CEO at Hello.me, joins me to talk about her revolutionary top-up tonic to make you feel better. There is so much we get wrong about power. It's not just how much power we have, but how we use it that determines how powerful we actually are. My conversation with Deborah Gruenfeld, PhD, talks about why she brought real live actors into her graduate business classes. And Dr. John Weissel, a cardiologist, talks about stress, COVID, and broken heart syndrome. Plus, can you have hot sex in a long-term relationship? You sure can. The Sunday Night Health Show podcast starts now. Have you heard the term, the walking wounded? They are a collective of individuals who suffer from internal injuries. Yes, injuries on the inside. It can be physical, emotional, or mental. It can affect so many aspects of a person's life. You'd think that appearing fine would be easy or stress-free, but oftentimes people are suffering with pain, with emotional issues, and a number of other issues. Joining me on the line is Karen. She is a self-proclaimed uh, walking wounded. Good evening, Karen. Hey, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Honestly, I got a bit, ner- a bit of nerves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be nervous. We're just chatting. I, you know, <laughs> Honestly, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and I really appreciate you coming on the show to share your story because... I think when we share our stories, we empower others. Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. You're oh, very... by the way, I was, I was preparing with my mom and she made a good point. I should probably let you guys know that I will probably need help with some questions because, uh, I don't know, my word finding isn't what it was. So hopefully that makes sense. No problem. That's absolutely fine. So thank uh, you. tell me... Um, you know, you, we, you talk about this battle that uh, nobody can see. It's mm-hmm. a term called the walking wounded. I have dealt with it in my clinical practice, mainly in the spinal cord injury area where people have bladder and bowel issues um, that really impact their quality of life. What exactly does the walking wounded mean? Well, the walking wounded just means that someone who looks normal and acts normal, but on the inside... They are suffering something that people just can't can't see, and it can be really devastating. It can be really really tough, and yeah. And so you've uh, had an issue, uh, and you are a walking wounded. And so, tell me a little bit about what happened to you, your story. Well, thanks for asking. Um, Oh boy. <laughs> so my story began seven years ago. I, uh, not gonna lie, was in a pretty terrible car accident. And my, um, actually, the main injury that started this all and that I'd really like to talk about is my brain injury. And it was a uh, moderate slash severe traumatic brain injury. And, oh crap, sorry, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You had an accident seven years ago and that left you with a traumatic brain injury or TBI. Yes, yes, yes. And so, and you already mentioned that sometimes you lose words or have difficulty word finding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And it can be very frustrating. There's a lot of people who suffer a traumatic brain injury and that's something you can't see. We can't see that. 
you look perfectly normal to us, but on the inside, life is difficult for you. Is that a fair summary, Karen? That's bang on, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's bang on. And so I imagine not being able to find words would be very frustrating because it would be difficult to communicate with people like if you're in a store or in class or in another realm of your life. Oh, absolutely. Like, not going to lie, like me, naturally, I'm very quirky and very weird. So I just try and rely on that and just try and, I don't know, pizzazz people and just try and, I don't know, distract people while I can just think of something in time to just answer their questions and stuff like that. And it usually works. (laughs) I imagine it uh, does. I imagine it's very charming. I've been told. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it is. Um, We're all quirky in our own way. So why is being a walking wounded, you you find that very frustrating? Yeah, um, it's very frustrating. Like, my life has been a complete, like, 180. And I uh, never knew anything about this stuff. Like, just how, like, um, what's it called? Uh, Groundhog Day. Like, it's it's a thing. Uh And, yeah, like, even, especially in the hospital, but that'll be a different story for a different time. But basically, yeah, memory loss, um, fatigue, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, that especially chronic pain. Yeah, problem solving, um... How about even getting dressed? Some people with traumatic brain injury have difficulty putting together an outfit that matches. Yeah, especially that, too, and uh, learning to walk again, stuff like that, yeah. And, and you had to learn to walk again, correct? Yes and no. It's like I knew how to, and it's just like I needed just a quick, like, I don't know, pick-me-up kind of thing. But So I feel like I had a, a bit easier than others with the whole walking situation. Oh, that's great. But some people have to relearn so many tasks, like how to feed themselves, how to get up, how to take a shower, how to uh, go to the bathroom. Uh, There are so many different areas that it can affect because the brain is kind of the engine of of the body in a way. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, today I was explaining to a friend that, um, and it was, I remember, oh dear, (laughs) I uh, came upstairs once and I just remembered to shut the, the light off from the basement. And normally that was just something I couldn't, I couldn't do. I couldn't remember to shut that off. And when I did, I was, I was crying. I was so happy. Oh, that's so great. And, you know, you probably appreciate the smaller things in life more so than many people out there. Yeah, you know, like they say, you know, you appreciate the, you know, the sound of the birds after a while. That's true. Right. And we're getting a lot more birds chirping in the, in the pandemic. Um, so how can people help, Karen? What, what recommendations would you have? Well, um, I actually just made an email today, and it's uh, called uh, scareswww.gmail.com, but I know we'll get to like how you guys can reach me later. But <laughs> Oh, shoot. What was the question again? It's okay. That's okay. How could people help? Like oftentimes we don't realize somebody is suffering. We may judge them. And so even would would it be helpful for even somebody to think, you know, I'm not going to judge that person. I'm going to, you know, maybe think maybe they're having a hard time. Yeah, honestly, like that is the biggest thing. Like just don't make assumptions and like, you know, make an ass out of you and me. That's the thing. And so by, like, just not making assumptions and whatnot, you just would end up creating probably 
I don't know, a new relationship with someone, like a tighter bond, and you create more understanding. And I think that would just go around, like uh, doing like one good deed for another, and that would just pass on. Absolutely, and you're singing my song. I think it's it's a time for more compassion for other people, especially in this world in which we're living with with COVID nineteen and and this pandemic. And and really, um, we need to have some self compassion and also compassion for others. Oh, absolutely. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining the program tonight and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Maureen. You're very welcome. We'll get you back and we'll talk a little bit more about that because it's such an important subject. Talking about what women complain about the most. And joining me on the line is a woman who has done something. Oftentimes women complain and they are dismissed, quite frankly. Uh, But here's a woman on the line who uh, is from, she's the CEO of Hello.me, a company that is helping women and some of the issues they face, especially as it relates to hormones. She is Julie McClure. Hello, Julie. Hi, Maureen. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Great. Thanks we also for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, I want to get to your fabulous uh, top-up tonic sur- shortly, but we are giving some of that away tonight. So thank you so much. Uh, what is what are the things that women complain about the most? So with, when it comes to hormonal imbalances, I think a lot of the complaints, uh, particularly women on birth control, which is where our product is focused, one of our key products, is bloating and weight gain. Uh, So that's very common. Fatigue, low libido uh, or low sex drive. And then mood is another big issue for women. So anxiety, depression, not feeling like themselves. Uh, And then we have things from hormonal acne, migraines and PMS being um, exacerbated. Absolutely. And as you said, uh, lots of women who are on the oral contraceptive pill, the birth control pill, complain about these symptoms in part because they're missing certain minerals in their uh, blood system. The the hormonal system is upset by this. And so if people have fatigue, um, you know, they're not going to be their best self. Exactly. So what we've, what the science has shown over the last several years, it's finally caught up and hormonal birth control in particular depletes women of very key nutrients, um, antioxidants, probiotics that really can shift the body, shift the bodies. So, you know, specifically when you're on hormonal birth control, things like your B vitamins, many of your B vitamins get depleted. So that can result in things like fatigue, um, that can result in headaches, uh, it can result in more significant PMS symptoms. You've got your, your gut biome, which we all know it's super important for both immunity, for mental health, for many different aspects. But your gut biome changes because it depletes you of very specific probiotics, the good, healthy bacteria. So things like that will cause you to have digestive upset, bloating. You can get weight gain from that. Um, and then you've got things like thyroid-supporting nutrients that get depleted as well. So if you have a low thyroid, which a lot of women complain of, you can have low energy as well. So there's a lot of things that can sort of exacerbate, and, and not everyone has the same symptoms, but depending on what you're depleted in, you tend to um, experience those symptoms over time, or you can be at a higher risk if you're depleted over longer term for different health re- health. Um, health issues. Right. And and I know that depletion of the probiotics and that alteration in that can actually lead to uh, low sexual desire because your biome, your natural biome is altered. So you've created something called Top Up Tonic. 
that is your, um, which, which I, is fantastic. I love it. And it's not just for women who are on the birth control pill. Many women um, utilize this product. So tell me a little bit about Top Up Tonic. Yeah, so Top Up Tonic, we, we saw a real need first with women on birth control because nothing exists to really specifically tailor the nutrient depletions that happen with women and about 70% of women experience side effects and the other 30% who aren't experiencing them um, have higher risk of things like irritable bowel syndrome or HPV infections or immune um, disorders. So we really saw a need there. And what we found with Top Tonic as well is we've got a number of customers who get great relief from their PMS symptoms, perimenopausal symptoms. So these are all, um, you know, side effects women tend to experience when their hormones are fluctuating. And so, you know, with we you know, we've got the complex Bs and the probiotics and the prebiotics. Um, women have found great results in sort of an increase in energy, their skin, if they've had hormonal acne, their libido improves, and their mood is a big one, too, because that's something that disrupts women and something they don't talk about a lot. Right. And, um, and so this is a capsule, a daily capsule? Yeah, so it's a once-a-day veggie capsule that women take with food. So we encourage women to take it in the morning or at lunch with their breakfast. And it comes in a really convenient pack that they can throw in their purse if they're on the go or traveling. It's all shelf-stable, so you don't have to worry. And it's not in a big bottle that's clunky to carry around. And you just take it consistently. And most women, after three to four weeks, um, if they've been having side effects, they notice a, a material improvement. Um, if they're low in energy, usually it's within seven days you'll notice an improvement. And then, obviously, with consistency, this not only helps alleviate symptoms over the long term, but it also helps prevent you from depleting your body, which can lead to things later on, um, you know, complications. Absolutely, and, and place you at greater risk for uh, medical uh, concerns. So it's very important that uh, women take care of themselves. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it is a great product. And uh, you have also provided, uh, for any listeners who I'm sure people don't want to call in and say, hi, I'm on the birth control pill. <laughs> if you're a listener out there and you would like to order some uh, top-up tonic, you've provided a, a discount code. Is that right, Julie? Yes. So anyone tonight who's listening, uh, we'd love you to you know try the product. We're very confident you'll you'll love it as much as we do. And it's Hello Me Twenty. So our um, our, our website is hello.me. So we always keep it simple. Hello Me Twenty, and you'll get twenty percent off your first order, your first purchase. That is so generous of you. Very, very kind of you. And thank you for, we, we both do a lot of women's health work. And Julia, I really appreciate it. I know you're very passionate about this space as well, as, as am I. And so I want to thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. And I look forward to speaking again. Yes, we'll see you soon. Okay. Um, so that's hello.me. And the discount code is hellome 20 my next guest does, needs no introduction. He's a regular health contributor, an amazing cardiologist. He joins me on the line, Dr. John Weisler. Good evening, Dr. Weisler. Good evening, Maureen. Great to be with you today. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Not too stressed, so that's good. <laughs> but, no, excellent, exactly. <laughs> lots of stress uh, for a lot of people out there uh, given this pandemic. And so what is the effect on the heart? And can somebody suffer a broken heart as a result of stress? 
Yeah, so I mean, stress levels I think have been really high, right, for virtually everybody with uh, with the pandemic, and um, it can affect our heart in a few ways. I mean, stress uh, in in a very basic way of thinking, it gives us more adrenaline and compounds like adrenaline, and this can um, stimulate our heart, so it can give us rhythm problems that can make our heart go too fast. Um, it can give us heart attacks where, you know, you have uh, arteries to your heart and they give you blood and the arteries get little plaques in them that rupture. So it can make those plaques rupture and block our arteries. And then a broken heart syndrome uh, is is um, a different situation. It, it looks like a heart attack when you go to the emergency room, you have the same symptoms, chest pain, trouble breathing, and so forth. Um, but the arteries are okay. It's actually a disorder of the heart muscles. So the adrenaline kind of like stuns the heart itself. It often happens with a sudden shock, whether it's like an emotional upset, the death of a loved one, you know, loss of your savings or something like that. Um, uh, it, although it, it can be any sort of, you know, sudden or frightening experience or occasionally even a joyful experience, a sudden surprise. Uh, and it makes our heart not work well when we have to go into hospital because we get really out of breath and a lot of pain. Well, that's amazing. So even something that's fantastic uh, that happens to you that you're so excited about uh, can cause a negative impact on your heart. Yep, it's way less common, but it but it does happen. And and the thought is that it's the sudden sudden release of adrenaline that mm-hmm. uh, that makes our heart muscle. And and the other name for it, you know, broken heart syndrome. The other name is Takatsubo cardiomyopathy. So Takatsubo is a Japanese octopus trap, and that's kind of what the heart looks like when we image it. The adrenaline makes the bottom portion of our heart not squeeze and it balloons outwards and then the top part squeezes extra hard to try and compensate so it gives it that like a sort of funnel-like appearance with a you know an an area at the bottom that doesn't squeeze it very well at all. That's right and so many people as you mentioned are suffering with psychological social economic stress that's related to this pandemic also even the border you know that can cause a lot of stress being closed I've heard so many people say I'm so glad the border's closed and yes on on some level I am too glad that the border's closed but if there's any stress in my life it's that the border's closed because I'm American and anyway I have family back there and so it's like you know if I thought about it when am I going to get back there and I also have to isolate when I when I return but you know something I see in my clinical practice, Dr. Weisler, a lot is people who worry because they think they are helping themselves. They, they often say, I'm doing something, I'm worrying. How bad is worry for your blood vessels in your heart? Yep. So worrying is a strain as well. I mean, some worrying is natural, right? We, we all do it. And uh, that's, of course, one of our advantages as, as humans that we can worry and anticipate. But um, when it goes, when, when worry is prolonged, when it's excessive, uh, it does a lot of things. It raises our blood pressure. It makes our heart squeeze harder. It increases those levels of, you know, circulating adrenaline and stuff that long term can be harmful for us. It also disturbs our sleep. Sleep disturbance in itself is a risk factor for heart disease. And then it makes us cope less well. We'll make poor food choices. We may not exercise as much as we should. And so all of those, so the worry increases our risk for heart disease through a number of different mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had more time. We we have such a short segment this time, but I'll definitely have to get you back um, because it's fantastic information. And I think especially with all the stress and the COVID, um, you know, I don't think people realize the impact on their heart. And it's so important. 
Yeah, it's absolutely. It's it's important to manage your stress in a healthy way, whether that's exercise, meditation, or other coping mechanisms. There's a lot you can do, but it's important to be aware of how important stress is for your heart and other areas of your health and to try to take action. Exactly. And maybe one day at a time. There we go. But I love the fact that as a physician, you recommended meditation and, and just kind of those conservative measures as well, not just a prescription. Absolutely. <laughs> you didn't yeah, take absolutely. out your prescription pad. <laughs> Lifestyle is always step one. You know, it is for cholesterol and blood pressure and everything else than it is for stress too. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Weisler. Thanks, Maureen. All Thanks right. for having me on the show. This is when we go to bed together. <laughs> You and I, perhaps you're in bed right now, perhaps you're alone, perhaps you're with somebody, uh, and uh, perhaps you have been with that person for a long time. And what constitutes a long time? Well, for some people, it's a week. (laughs) For others, it can be two to four years. And that's kind of on average. And that's kind of when the sex starts to cool off or, or perhaps you've had a few kids. And uh, I definitely hear that in my clinical practice that many couples will say, you know, when I, if I ask them when, when did the sex stop and they might be married 15 years, 20 years, they'll say after the kids came along. And they're pretty much in agreement about that. And, you know, so this begs the question, you know, can you have real hot sex in a long-term relationship? Yes, you heard that right. It is possible. Our physical desires and emotional needs need to be separated in a relationship. And so you deserve a certain type of love, much like you deserve a certain type of love and care and compassion and understanding. You also need great sex in that relationship as well. And so it's, it's, it's at times we might compartmentalize our romantic brain from our lustful self. And we often think it's one or the other. Uh, But it's very important that couples in long-term relationships, and I don't care if it's two years, four years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 40 years, you've actually got to keep the sex going. You've got to keep things alive in the bedroom. And in fact, you and your long-term partner need to have some sex rules, if you will. Now, that typically involves changing things up and even including changing those sex rules as you go along, because those rules aren't hard and fast, but, and they don't stay stagnant and they can grow and change with your relationship. And, and of course you have to, uh, work on the relationship as well. And it's, it's as though it's a parallel. You, if, uh, you have, uh, issues in your relationship, if you have unresolved conflict, if there's abuse, if there's any emotional abuse or verbal abuse, that's a huge turn off. And so I don't know if you're listening to the show earlier tonight, but we we're talking about power and one line resonated with me because I hear of this in my clinical practice all the time. And it's that one person in the relationship has this control over someone else or tries to exert control in every single aspect of their lives, whether it's, you know, any any little thing, literally, from hiring somebody to clean help with the garden, or um, whether it's whether somebody's going to go back to work, or whether you know who's negotiating with the kids. But uh, people who feel powerless 
um, are tend to be on the controlling side. And that is what Dr. Gruenfeld actually said. And so that's why it's important that you take care of your relationship. You make sure that it is top notch. Uh, you know, initially in a relationship, everything's carefree and wonderful and you have those loving and sexual feelings toward your partner. But as time goes on and we bring on the children and bring on the debt and then the boredom strikes, those are just a few things that can damper your sex life. And it's not to say that every single long-term couple has issues in the bedroom. It's just every single one that I see in my clinical practice or that I see online because I actually do um, visits for people around the globe. Um, In fact, I had a, uh, you can guess where this person is from, but I I had a consult uh, this week where the person had four wives. (laughs) He was trying to navigate all of them. It was like a North American guy's dream. Anyway, (laughs) and they were all amazing according to him, but that's why he had some issues uh, navigating them, wanting to announce them. Some didn't want extra wives. Some did. Um, this is a 30 something guy. Anyway, it's very different. Marriage is different all over the world and love and relationships and sex, but it's also very much the same as well. And so there are just so many things that we have to remember having hot sex in a long-term relationship is important. Sometimes once everything is great in the relationship, it's important to be able to fully surrender to someone that you love, somebody that you trust, somebody that you're connected with, somebody that you are intimate with or have that person surrender to you, to have them touch you in places that you have never been touched before. Be with somebody that you can engage in your erotic and exotic fantasies of sex. In order to do that, don't you need to be with somebody that you're comfortable with? It's not just about that excitement of somebody new, somebody different. BDSM is one way to bring this into your relationship that where you have been with somebody for a long time. So, you know, it can start very simple, lightly tied up, bringing out the whips and the handcuffs. You've got to feel confident with the person that you are lying next to in order to do that. But you know what? You still want to save space for that person to be able to stroke your hair, touch your neck, kiss your nose. It's not a black and white system where only you make love if you are in love or you have sex because you don't care. It's that bond. It is that connection. It's sometimes engaging and understanding that other person and knowing what their life is like and taking ego out of it, but actually having compassion for their kind of a day. Maybe their kind of a day has involved just following up on issues and dealing with things and, and running everything. And so sometimes that kind of person may want to surrender to you. In other words, that person may want to be the sub in a BDSM uh, relationship and you dominate. Maybe you don't feel powerful in your life in certain arenas or different areas of your life. This is a time to actually exert your power, exert your power in the bedroom. And so it's so important to have tricks and to experiment and Include these in your life and and read about it. Um, you know, think about it. Don't just turn everything off. You know, turn off your partner because you're turning off their ideas. Uh, you know, and and a lot of people discount porn. I'm going to start right there because porn can actually 
enhance your relationship. Uh, you may actually be a very seasoned expert on, on pornography with a curated collection of X-rated videos, or you might be a curious novice in this and talking about porn with your partner can be actually daunting. It can be illuminating and it can be a turn on. And watching together can also increase that desire, increase that arousal, that interest, that desire to get comfortable and to get cozy with somebody. Porn has come a long way in terms of diversity and quality, and and actually there's a lot more porn for women as well. Um, You know, there's a big range of it. It can be hot, it can be nasty, Uh, but but the most important thing about it for two people who are engaging in it is that they are both comfortable, or three, if it's three of you, if you need three and you need porn... (laughs) Call me. Anyway, no, I, call me because you might need some advice. <laughs> That's what I meant. Anyway, like maybe you don't need the porn if there's three of you. That's what I meant. I'm clarifying myself. <laughs> um, you know, there's XXX parody. That's for people who are new to porn. It combines humor with some steamy sex. And so that can be something that can be uh, really important. Uh, for you. And, you know, the other thing is you've got to keep it playful. You've got to keep it fun. Um, and sometimes we get so uh, involved in, <laughs> I'm still not over what I said the last time. <laughs> um, the, sometimes we can get so caught up in the kids and the and the finances and the garden and, and you know, surviving the pandemic. and um, But we forget to have fun. And it's the kind of thing you want to do things with your partner and, and make sure that you set this time. Oh, did I mentioned you got to schedule sex and you got to schedule the fun as well. Um, you know, and have that conversation with your partner, how you want to incorporate more play and variety into your routine and then challenge yourselves, uh, to try it, maybe try a new position once a month. You know, it, it, you can dive into the Kama Sutra, um, which can give you a ton of ideas. Um, you know, and I don't, you don't need me to tell you shaking things up or switching it up is the way to have fun. Um, uh, in your intimate relationship, but you know what? It's not always serious. It's not always, um, something that, you know, you've, I mean, I mentioned this to a lot of women in my clinical practice about, you know, <laughs> you're playing dead and they're, they can all relate to it because there are times when they play dead because they don't want to have sex. They often say, if I never have sex again, it'll be too soon. I'd rather mop the floor. I mean, I've heard all of these, um, statements in the past. Um, you know, and, and so I, I'll often remind them that, you know, typically it's probably going to take two hours. One, one woman told me it took an hour, um, recently, but it's, it's maybe a time to, you know, don't discount those quickies. Those can be a lot of fun as well and kind of be exciting. The other thing is, you know, getting back to your relationship, many people, uh, can attest to, uh, hot makeup sex, you know, angry sex. There was, uh, there's, uh, Dr. Foster. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix, but I will say that a lot of couples get into, you know, watching Netflix together and, and, uh, you know, baking bread perhaps, but Dr. Foster is a, is a real power, uh, di- uh, you know, it's a real, um, it's a couple who she's a physician and he is, 
a, a bloke, basically. No, <laughs> I don't think he's working. Anyway, he's raising funds. Um, nonetheless, he's not the most honest person, but there, this power shift comes back and forth. But they actually have makeup, or it's not even makeup sex. It's actually hate sex. Um, they actually do not care for one another at all. But you know what? You want to work on fighting more fairly in your relationship. You don't want to say anything to intentionally hurt somebody um, because that can be hurt people, hurt people. And so, you know, you want to develop strong conflict resolution skills to keep the relationship strong and healthy and don't let conflict make sex a symptom. You know, so it's important that you, uh, you know, you're responsible for your words that you say to a person because that can build up resentment. And sometimes the key to better sex has absolutely nothing to do with sex at all. It's kind of how you are outside of the bedroom. And when you're outside of the bedroom, you might want to create a sex menu. When you're in a long-term relationship, especially when you're living together, one of the most common text is like, what do you want to have for dinner? You know, can I bring anything home? Can you pick up milk? Um, and so you want to consider a different kind of a menu to keep it interesting. And so put what you like on the menu. You know, it's important that you actually convey what it is that you like in the bedroom to your partner. And so you might want to have a main course and then you want to, or maybe an appetizer. Let's start there. (laughs) Appetizer, main course and dessert. However you want to do it. Um, you know, just do it is, is also, uh, some advice. Uh, Another way is to, you know, you have to have a good body image and and good self-esteem in that regard and feel good about yourself and feel good about your body. You know, I've spoken to women who were like so thin and in fabulous shape and they were concerned about a one inch square of fat that I couldn't see on, on their body. Um, so body image is huge. Most women think about, it's like 97% of women look in the mirror and don't think that their body is okay. Um, and so, but it's important in a long-term relationship to know and understand each other's bodies. So you might want to make a body map of one another. Um, and so these, this can be a fun little game about erogenous zones. Um, and you can take turns drawing the other person's body as best as you can. And then you can start caressing those areas of the body. Um, so there's so many things, uh, to do and, and don't discount the importance of non-sexual touch as well. Focusing on the non-erogenous zones can often be more erotic than engaging in overly sexual activities. Anyway, if you thought your sex life, your, or your chances of having hot sex were over because the relationship is stale and has gone on, think again and actually pay attention to your sex life. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Night Health Show podcast. You can subscribe, rate, or review on your favorite podcast app. And if you've got a question about your health, the nurse is always in. So email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com, and I just might answer your question anonymously, of course, on next week's show. For now, have a happy and healthy week. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.